All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, I'm your host, and today is episode 60. If this is your first time listening to the show, thanks so much for finding us, for checking us out, for spending some time learning about food history. Make sure you go to ToastyKettle.com to find other great food history topics as well as vintage recipes. And as always, if you like what you hear, I would really appreciate you leaving an honest review and sharing the show with a friend. That's really going to help me out tremendously, and it's always appreciated. Today is all about French food and French cooking and its unique history. At the end, I'm going to wrap up my conversation about Michelin stars from last week and how they fit into this history of French cuisine. And I think it's safe to say that there are few cultures out there as obsessed with their cuisine as France is with their food. It has shaped the culinary landscape around the world for centuries, Many of the biggest names in the culinary world have some background in classic French training. I'm not the type of person that you're going to find in a fancy restaurant. You're more likely to find me huddled over some fried chicken and a pie in a rundown diner. In fact, let me tell you about the last time I was in a fancy restaurant. It was Valentine's Day this year. I was newly engaged and thought I needed to take my fiance to an Italian restaurant. And this was a really fancy one. The food was fantastic. However, there was a degree of show and pageantry that I didn't understand. First, there were a million plates and cups and silverware. I'm pretty sure we ate our bread and salad on our bread plate and It just wasn't working for us. We were both very much out of our element. However, we had a great time, and it was a truly memorable evening. We had many laughs about what the servers must must have thought about our selection and use of the dishes. So there were parts of that evening that I thought were quite excessive. However, it was a nice restaurant, and the experience we had is what you come to expect from a nice restaurant. And that level of theater we were presented that evening has its roots in French cuisine. It's all about the finely crafted experience. When you walk into a classic French restaurant, you're walking into a culinary experience that has evolved through time to where we are today. Many restaurants and cultures have adopted these elements into their cuisines, so let's talk about that. To understand the French kitchen, we need to understand the origin of the French restaurant. Seems like a sensible place to start. A popular theory for the origin of the French restaurant states that after the French Revolution, Gourmet chefs were looking for work after their employers literally lost their heads. It was shocking how often this story popped up as I was wading through the research. However, this has repeatedly been proven false. The first true French restaurants opened decades before the revolution. In the 1760s, 
and the 1770s, some enterprising individuals began to capitalize on a notion of enlightenment. You might not have royal blood, but you can show you're something other than a peasant by eating something delicate, something nice, something other than brown bread and sausage. These first restaurants were bullion shops. (laughs) Bullion was delicate and full of nutrients. However, what set these shops apart wasn't that they were serving bullion. It was how they were serving the bullion. They copied a successful model already adopted by cafes. They would seat patrons at a small table and give them a menu. It didn't take long for other items to begin popping up on the menu, in addition to bullion. Meat dishes, stews, and wine were common elements on these early menus. Restaurants to this point were taverns, and the tavern keeper would serve a set meal at a set time. You had to be there at that time and eat what was served, or you didn't get fed. This new approach to dining that was taking place in these bullion shops was radically different. For the first time, patrons had a choice. They could select items from the menu that suited them. And there was also greater flexibility with when the meal was going to be served. It was revolutionary for the French at this time, and it only got better from there. In the late 1800s, Uh, Georges Auguste Escoffier came on the scene and transformed the French kitchen into what it is today. Escoffier made a name for himself working in some of the largest and fanciest, nicest, swankiest hotels throughout Europe. One of his direct contributions to the culinary world was his idea of the Kitchen Brigade. The Kitchen Brigade broke up the workings of a kitchen into five or so separate stations. You had the Gradmanger. I'm going to butcher these. I apologize in advance. I don't speak French, so we're all in it together, right? Now, the Gradmanger prepared all of the cold dishes. Next, you had the Entremetier, who prepared starches and vegetables. The rotissier who prepared roasts and grilled dishes and sometimes fried items. The saucier who prepared, obviously, sauces, but also soups. And the patissier who prepared all pastry and desserts. And before this system really caught on, one chef would cook a meal in the kitchen, start to finish. What made this system innovative was that each of these components came together to prepare a portion of the meal. A dish that took 15 minutes to prepare can now be done in much less time. Instead of one chef cooking each and every part of the dish, you could assign it out. One person will cook the eggs, the other will grill the meat, a third's gonna work on the garnish, and they're gonna time it all just right so it's all finished at the same time. And that is what Escoffier was most known for. He also embraced an idea that came around 1860 from Felix Urban Dubois of the multi-course meal. Escoffier wanted to serve all of his meals and courses instead of all at once to the table. So think back to that experience that I shared 
at the beginning of the show today about that Italian restaurant that I went to, that style of dining became incredibly popular after uh, Escoffier started using it in his different restaurants and hotels. He also innovated many recipes. He published he published the Le Guide Culinaire in 1903. This was a groundbreaking work that had many collaborators. Escoffier's main goal was to establish the basis for French cooking, to document it, to show the world what French cooking and French cuisine was all about. By covering the fundamentals, he was able to transform traditional dishes into new creatures. Instead of using heavy and dense sauces, he began using lighter sauces. It used to be a sauce it used to be that a sauce was used to hide or mask an unpleasant smell or flavor in a dish. Now the sauce took on a different role to highlight important elements on the dish. So much of what Escoffier brought to the kitchen is still practiced and used today. Now, when you think to all these different categories in a kitchen, uh, a saucier, a patissier, a rotissier, the head chef, the dishwasher, it becomes a massive team of individuals. And each of these stations has substations. And each of these substations has apprentices. And it's it gets pretty crazy. It gets pretty out of hand. And you might listen to that big group of people in a kitchen and wonder, why on earth did the French do this? And the reason is that French are proud of their cuisine. Breaking up a kitchen was a way to introduce some serious efficiency to that kitchen. And what might seem like a bloated mass of people to you or me is really a fine-tuned instrument to a restaurant staff. If you can get the parts to work together, then you're rewarded with a symphony of flavor that carries the culinary experience to new heights. The passion is real. Chefs will train for years to take over one of these coveted roles, one of these stations in the kitchen. And it makes me think a little bit of Japan. We've talked about sushi before. We've talked about ramen before. And in Japan, sushi chefs will spend years learning how to properly cook the sushi rice. And when they master the rice, then they get to start handling the fish and so on down the line until they're making sushi as a master. When you have a culture that is this passionate about their cuisine and elements in their cuisine, you'll find people obsessed with mastering those different elements and aspects. And the result is something that is just fascinating to study and learn about. This leads me back to Michelin stars, okay? If you remember from last week, the Michelin brothers were French. The Michelin Guide was born in France and is a huge piece of the history of French cuisine that continues on to today. It's still a big deal in France. I wanted to wrap up today by talking about the other side of the Michelin experience. We talked about the fancy restaurant and the fine dining and you know you have to almost sell your firstborn to get a seat at one of these tables there are many expensive restaurants that receive a star 
However, there are also many humble establishments that offer affordable cuisine that receive a star. And there are many places throughout Asia that offer a variety of dishes for just a few bucks. Even here in the USA, there are a few restaurants that have received a Michelin star and have affordable cuisine. Meadowsweet in New York offers Mediterranean cuisine, and you can get lunch there for around 16 bucks. Now, you'll be hard-pressed to find almost anything in New York for under 16 bucks. And the fact that you can get a Michelin experience for 16 bucks is incredible. Cafe China in New York offers entrees between $8 and $16. And again, it's just awesome to know that you can get the Michelin experience without having to sell your firstborn child. Chicago has Neha. San Francisco has some restaurants that are affordable. So wherever you're at in the country, there's a good chance you're decently close to a place that has a Michelin star and close to somewhere where you can go in and and try a meal out just to get the experience. Well, that's all I have for you today. There's a lot to go into when it comes to French cooking and how it's evolved through the years and, and how we got to where we're at today. It's really one of those topics where the more you dive in, the more you dig in, the more you research, the more you uncover. And it's fascinating. I've loved learning about the content that I put together for today's show. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend. It really is going to help grow the show if you could do that for me. I really appreciate it. Until next week. 